bite-sized birthday biography podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Mira. This is a daily podcast which shines a spotlight on a person born on this day at some point in history somewhere in the world who made a positive lasting impact. Today, September 22nd, we're going to celebrate the birth and life of Junko Taibei, Japanese mountaineer and the first woman in history to reach the summit of Mount Everest. She was born on this day in 1939. If there's anything I love, it's a woman who hacks a hole into a male-dominated space. Junko Taibei did it with a pickaxe 29,000 feet in the air. Junko was born in Marahu, Japan. She was one of seven children. Some sources have her as the fifth child. Others say that she was the youngest. Marahu is a town in the Fukushima prefecture consisting of about 14,000 people in a 28-square-mile radius. Fukushima Prefecture is on Japan's uh, eastern Pacific coast, and it's about 150 miles north of Tokyo. So as a child, uh, Junko's family thought that she was very frail, and even as an adult, she would never grow over four foot nine, and she never weighed over 100 pounds. But she apparently didn't get that message that she was frail because she was climbing mountains when she was 10 years old. Even as a child, she loved the combination of the non-competitive nature of the activity, as well as the opportunity to be in less heavily trafficked parts of nature. She wanted to join some local teen mountaineering groups, but her father could not afford the professional gear. So she only went on a few mountaineering trips during her high school years. She attended Shawa Women's University, a private college in Tokyo, from 1958 to 1962. She studied American Lit and English, and she intended on becoming a teacher. But at the end of university, she felt drawn back to her first love of mountaineering, and she began joining men's groups because there were no women's groups at the time. The men's reaction was split, with some welcoming her and some treating her as a precocious interloper. She soon left them all in the dust, literally, quickly reaching the pinnacle of every major mountain in all of Japan, including Mount Fuji, uh, the tallest one in the country, at 12,389.2 feet. Climbing with men's groups was starting to become unpleasant as more and more of the men began to refuse to climb with her. I mean, she easily left them behind, which couldn't have been good for the male ego. And other men began to complain that she was just climbing mountains to try and meet a husband. So in 1969, Junko created the first women's only mountaineering group in Japan called the Women's Mountaineering Club. The group's motto was, let's go on an overseas expedition by ourselves. I cannot explain how much I love that. In 1970, the group went on its first expedition to Annapurna III in Nepal. That's a 24,787-foot mountain. When they reached the top, they became the first women and the first Japanese people to climb it. They brought a camera to capture the ascension, but the cold ended up shattering the lens. Next up on the docket, Mount Everest. The Mountaineering Club created a subgroup for the Everest expedition called the Japanese Women's Everest Expedition. There were 15 women in the group, two of which were mothers, including Junko. And this fact brought a lot of women should be raising children instead commentary from the male mountaineering bench. In 1971, the group applied for a Mount Everest climbing permit, but they were not granted one until 1975. So while they were waiting for those four years, Junko hustled to find sponsors to cover the cost of the trip. Each member of the team had to pay 1.5 million yen. That's about 5,000 U.S. dollars. To cover the cost, Junko taught piano lessons. Oh yeah, she was also an amazing piano player too. She even sewed herself mountaineering gear out of curtains. 
These are a few of my favorite things. And she crafted waterproof gloves out of an old car cover. This is the woman that you want to be stuck on a desert island, or mountain, I guess, with. Quick sidebar into the basic facts on Everest. We all had a quiz on it in like fourth grade, I feel, but I think we all forgot it. So Everest, tallest mountain in the world, 29,029 feet. It's in the Himalayas, right on the border between China and Nepal. To date, 300 people have died trying to climb it, and most of their bodies have remained unrecovered. So, end of sidebar. So finally in May of 1975, the group starts their ascent up Mount Everest. Being the first all-female expedition, minus their six male Sherpa guides, there was a lot of media buzz, and journalists accompanied them during the earliest stages of the trek. By May 4th, they were at 20,700 feet. When night fell, they set up camp to rest. There was this thunderous rumble around 12.30 a.m., and suddenly the camp was obliterated by a massive avalanche. Junko and four other women were completely buried under snow. She was unconscious uh, until six Sherpas pulled her out by her legs. She spent two days unable to walk, recovering in her tent. She was bruised and battered, but she pressed onward and upward, and the group made its slow but steady ascent up the mountain. The original plan was to have two women in the group climb to the summit with two Sherpas, but the altitude sickness was picking people off like flies. So it was decided that only one woman would be able to go up with one Sherpa, and the woman chosen was Junko. So on May 16th, 1975, Junko reached the summit. The insanity of the ascent was matched by the insanity of the descent because once they hit sea level, the media was there and they went crazy. There was a parade in Kathmandu. There were thousands of people waiting to greet Junko at the airport when she returned to Japan. The king of Nepal and the Japanese government personally sent her messages of congratulations. And there was even a TV miniseries about the journey. So what's next on the checklist after one climbs Mount Everest? If you guessed be the first woman to climb the seven summits, then you win all of the change I have in my car ashtray. What are the seven summits? So glad you asked. The seven summits are the seven highest mountains on the seven continents. We have Everest on the Nepal-China border for Asia, Kilimanjaro in Tanzania for Africa, Aconcagua in Argentina, Denali in Alaska, Vincent in Antarctica, and the last two are kind of bones of contention, depending on which mountaineers you ask. Uh, there's either Elbrus in Russia. Some people don't think that the location technically counts as Europe, so they say that Mount Blanc in France on the French-Italy uh, border is the highest point in Europe. So some people think Elbrus, others think Mount Blanc for Europe slash Russia. And then Puncak Jaya in Indonesia. But some people don't think it's technically part of Australia, even though it's on the Australian continental shelf. So they prefer to say that the highest point on mainland Australia that would qualify would be Kosciusko. I really hope I said that right. So Junko did what was called the Messner version of the list. So she did Everest, Kilimanjaro, Aconcagua, Denali, Elbrus, Vincent, and Puktok Jaya in that order between 1975 and 1992. And through all of this, she refused all corporate sponsorship. She clung fiercely to her financial independence. And she financed all of her trips through either paid speaking engagements, uh, leading mountain climbing tours, or tutoring kids in English and piano. She would go on 44 all-female mountaineering expeditions in her life and reach the summit of the highest mountains on 70 different countries. 
Her goal was to conquer every country, but stomach cancer began to take its toll on her. She had to scale it back a bit as the illness progressed, but for a woman like her, that meant still climbing mountains, but just doing it leading a group of child mountaineers. And because she's clearly a terribly lazy woman, she also wrote and published seven books during this time. In July of 2016, she was still leading packs of kids up the sides of mountains, but four months later, she would die in a hospital on October 20th, 2016. There have been asteroids and mountain ranges on Pluto named after her. Junko was survived by her husband, Masanobu Taibei. He was actually another mountaineer who she met while she was scaling Mount Tanigawa. They had married in 1966 and had two kids. Junko, in her life, defied stereotypes not only at the top of mountains, but in her home as well. Her husband encouraged her to pursue her mountaineering dreams and to leave all the domestic duties to him, which was pretty uncommon for Japan at that time. Junko reassured her kids that she did not care what grades they received as long as they followed their hearts and did things that made them happy. She had no interest in money or jewelry or the trappings of wealth. I'm going to end our segment on her today with this quote. What's the use of building an expensive house if you don't really live? If when you are old, you have nothing to look back on? Instead of leaving money behind, I want to be able to think, gee, wasn't that fun? I don't want rings or necklaces that cost thousands of dollars. I want to use money to see new places and make my own memories. My sources today were the LA Times, Condé Nast Traveler, The Alpinist, Wikipedia, and NPR. Thank you so much for joining me for our birthday celebration of Junko Taipei. Please join me tomorrow, September 23rd, when we celebrate the birth and life of women's rights and civil rights activist, Mary Church Terrell. See you then.